0: Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Paul Kent, CEO and co-founder of Adumo. Adumo is the largest independent payments and fast-growing merchant acquiring solutions platform in South Africa, with a presence in seven African countries. Hi, Paul. How's your day going?
1: Yeah, it's all good. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show.
0: Of course, I'm excited to have you. How's the last couple of months and, and weeks been?
1: Well, the last few weeks have been uh, quite nice. We're starting to travel a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, I made the most of that to get a few days break. I think these last few months in particular have been exceptionally intense for not just for me, but uh, people all around the world. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's definitely a need to, to get some downtime and, and uh, recuperate and relax.
0: Awesome. Where did you go?
1: I had a beautiful time in the Eastern Cape. In Ooh. terms of beaches in South Africa or beaches around the world, I don't think you can get any place better. So there's a there's a little place called Mgazi River Bungalows, um, just about an hour and a half's drive from Umtata. And they've got kilometres of beach where oh. you kind of the only family on the beach. It's incredible.
0: It sounds beautiful. And the weather right now is warming up, so I can only imagine how beautiful it was.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, summers arriving in South Africa, especially in Johannesburg. Uh, I think we had over thirty degrees this last weekend, so it's it's here with a vengeance.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready, Paul. I want to hear your story. Tell me about your journey and essentially what led you to co-found Adumo and then become the CEO.
1: I think sometimes it's uh, things happen by accident, or mm-hmm. or maybe by you're in the right place at the right time. But I mean, I started off my career many years ago um, in a in a Japanese trading company and from there ended up at a technology uh, at a technology company called Healthbridge that was in the the early 2000s so it's it's quite a while now from a career point of view but within that company it was kind of that's I think that's where my career started before that I just had jobs and uh, in in business development and you know during that time there the medical aid industry which is the sector that we were providing technology to Mm -hmm. went through drastic changes. And part of that was, you know, the move away from where all your medical benefits were paid to an environment where doctors finally had to start collecting co-payments, collecting Mm -hmm. payments from, from their patients. And that kind of gave us an opportunity to start providing card payments or card acceptance points, your card terminals, Mm -hmm. lots of different words for the same thing Mm -hmm. um, to these doctors and, and from there, we founded SureSwipe. Out of a, a simple idea or a simple need to doctors, we went into SMEs around the country.
0: And how did then the group of Adumo form from there?
1: Yeah, so SureSwipe started in 2008 um, and we we grew the business organically during kind of a 10-year period. And getting to the end of that period, we saw a much bigger opportunity within card payments in South Africa. And we looked at having a shareholders that had been amazing shareholders at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think for the next level of growth, we needed some shareholders that were looking to put in some capital. We're looking at shareholders that strategically could support us um, and had knowledge of the industry. So SureSwipe, it's found in shareholders or that our um, group shareholder decided to exit. And during that process, we went through quite a competitive process. And, and during that time, Crossfin and Apis, um, Crossfin being a local company and Apis being a, a London private equity firm, were the bidders. And within the bidding process, we looked at, you know, bringing Crossfin's other assets mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. a group and Apis coming in as a private equity partner and Dumo was formed.
0: That's so awesome. There there is so much that goes into building a business and especially building a startup. It's hard to do it all well. How do you choose what to keep in-house and then what to outsource?
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the the key things we did at SureSwipe in the mm-hmm. early days. We we were fortunate that we got a great sponsorship from Capitech Bank at the time. They were entering into the card payments space with um, historically, they'd only been into accounts and, and lending. Okay. So they were looking for a distribution partner. We had a lot of doc- doctors and medical practitioners on the books at Healthbridge, so we had a little bit of a, a kickstart. And we looked at when we built the business or founded the business. We looked at what are the things that we do well, and what are the things that can be outsourced because. Others do it better. There's a massive capital requirement to do it yourself, yeah. and and we built our business around a, a sales organization. So initially, we had, I think it was ten salespeople. We had a couple of um, uh, administra- administration people in the background, and we built a small team on on focusing on sales. And and as we moved and built the business, we started to insource. Uh, lots of the functions, you know, initially mm-hmm. all of our on-site support technicians were outsourced. Um, our call center was even outsourced at one stage, but very quickly we decided, okay. very quickly we decided that the brand and the client interaction as part of the sales organization were the critical components in our key competencies. So we started bringing all of those things in house, but still for many years, Technology was outsourced, and to this day, we still have some technology partners that do some of our processing. So we we went with a model of um, low capex, um, variable cost model, and in that environment where you're really looking at a variable cost model, outsourcing is is very friendly, and a very friendly option.
0: Why do you think that being client centric was so successful, and then? What tips would you have for those wanting to build on their current client relationships?
1: I think client centricity is, I mean, it's a bit of a buzzword, it's been around for a long time. Yeah. But certainly it's, You know, being client centric or even more really understanding your clients or understanding your customers becomes very important in in how you communicate to them, how you service them, how you support them, um, how you go out and sell product to them, having a real understanding. And there's a lot of empathy that comes with that. You know, we started a a payments business with people that had sales experience, myself included, you know, my Mm -hmm. backgrounds, business development, account management kind of sales and a very, very little knowledge, although I've got a technology background. So I've been involved in technology, but no one in our company uh, for many years actually had any financial services background, had any banking background. But we did have an understanding of retail. Um, you know, my personal story is uh, as a as a youngster, I grew up in my grandfather's yeah. store in England. Um, as a teenager and early twenties, I worked part time in a retail store. So, just that little bit of interaction in those small retail environments, I think gave us a lot of insights and a lot of empathy with with our customers. So, th- yeah, that was a great foundation to build things around.
0: I'm sure you get asked this all the time as Shoreswipe grew their customer base at such a rapid pace and you built relationships that have lasted when Shoreswipe was only but a name and you were growing from the ground up, how did you build your customer base at such an
1: exponential rate? I think we were in a market that was ripe for some disruption. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the way we did things then is very different to how things are done now. Um, But the one thing we try to do is almost don't force your methods on your customers. Mm. Um, When you look into how you communicate, how you service, how you talk to customers, there's lots and lots of channels. And, And I think what we try and provide today is provide the channel that your customer wants, not the channel that is the most favorable to you as a business. And, and I look at many businesses out there, you know, some of the bigger brands yeah. these days with their WhatsApp channels, their WhatsApp communication or their call center channels where you can't speak to a person. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, recently we had a, 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 an interaction with a, and I won't, I won't say the name, but it was one of the mobile operators. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way we could communicate to them was either through a WhatsApp channel And we were getting messages back, you know, responses at four o'clock in the morning. And then at nine o'clock when you see your WhatsApp, it's like, well, you didn't answer the call. So now we've had to hang up on you. It's just, it's crazy that we're forcing channels on customers when some of them want that, of course. But still lots of people want that personal interaction. Lots of people want to speak to somebody when they phone your call center. So I think we have to have a a multi-layer approach.
0: And really finding out what your customer wants, I think that ultimately is needed.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, the early customer base that we had, um, which is in ten years ago, is SMEs in general and retailers in general across the country was quite um, kind of middle-aged, white middle-aged um, retailers. So we really had to think about how do they want to communicate, and and mm-hmm. a lot of that at that stage was still a personal interaction, particularly those those customers that already had a store. They weren't accepting payments for the first time. They just had a bad experience with the bank.
0: This is a massive topic in the fintech space. How far is too far when digitizing a bank? Personally, if I can do everything on an app, online, I'm going to opt for that. But then you have the other side of the spectrum where you want to see the person that's handling your money. You want to have that human interaction. And I guess you have to find where that happy medium is, find out what do your customers want and is it feasible to do both?
1: Yeah, I think there's an element of trust that you have to build. And I'm not sure that there's enough trust in not having the option, or not having a fallback to speak into a person. I mean, many, many websites these days—they don't even have a phone number. You can't contact them. So, I'm just not sure. Um, as a broad society, certainly there's there's pockets of society that's accepting that, but as a broader society, I think there's an element of trust and that that when the, you know when things really hit the fan. You, 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 there's somebody to speak to.
0: You didn't come from a financial background, but rather have experience in retail, as you mentioned. As the business grew, how did you increase your exposure and development?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, when you start in a business, there's, there's a lot of passion that goes into it. There's a lot of yeah. late nights, there's a lot of time. And, and the founders are, you know, integral to the business. The, the business is built around a founder. And the risk that we have when you have success or the risk a founder has when a business mm-hmm. is successful is that the business will outgrow the founder. Or yeah. even worse, the founder will be the reason that the business doesn't grow so they can hinder yeah. growth. And, and for me, in those early days, it was, you know, we were growing 100%, 150% wow. Per, wow. per annum Uh and looking back, I still don't think we were aggressive enough. You know, it's probably one mm-hmm. of the things I I look back on and think we should have been and could have been more aggressive at the time. But certainly, when a business is is growing rapidly rapidly like that, you you have to keep pace and and make sure as a founder as a the the leader of the business that you're not holding it back. And and I was quite conscious of this. Um, and in that regard, I you know I I continued studying. Um, I as a as a founder and MD of a business, I, I still went and I did a master's, I did an MBA to make sure that I'm keeping abreast with, I guess, practices, thinking about modeling the business, thinking about how mm-hmm, to grow and mm-hmm. expand the business and making sure that I wasn't the hindrance.
0: You mentioned that you never took as much risk as maybe you should have. What types of risk do you wish you took or, or how could you have been more aggressive?
1: Yeah, I, I think we scaled the business well. Um, but in hindsight, I think the opportunity was much bigger than we imagined. So you know, if I look back into those first kind of five years of business, competition was very, very low. Mm. Our Our model, our business offering to the SME market was way better than the incumbent banks. Our servicing was way better than what they could offer. They've kind of caught up now and we we now operate in a very commoditized, highly competitive market, And in those first five years, I think we could have scaled quicker. Mm-hmm. I think we you know, we, we were building a, a large sales team of 20, 30 people. I think we could have had 50, 60. I th- in those days, digital channels still weren't as common. And certainly in the banking world and in financial services, they weren't available mm-hmm. uh, as they are now. But yeah, we could have, we could have scaled it a lot better, been a lot more aggressive in our in our sales approach, and in our building the organisation. We just I, I think we weren't pushed enough. Uh, I think I didn't push enough. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're growing at hundred hundred uh, fifty percent year on year, you think it's a lot, yeah. and it is a lot for most businesses. But based on that opportunity, I think we should have been more aggressive.
0: Could you give an example of how you could have been more aggressive?
1: So we 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 had good success in some of the outlying areas in the early days because those smaller towns smaller cities were ignored by the banks mm-hmm. and we could have built out bigger sales organizations we could have perhaps had some you know what we call satellite offices in those areas um our sales teams could have been bigger so yeah i just think uh, i just think from a distribution point of view we 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 limited ourselves yeah Gotcha.
0: This is something that I'm personally so excited to hear more about. You're in the midst of acquiring two businesses, one being a startup. Tell me more about the process. How do you go about choosing who you'd like to acquire? What are those next steps?
1: Yes, I think as a, you know, we're, we're in a fortunate position that as a, as a business within the group of Adumo, we've got SureSwipe, we've got Innovation, Mm -hmm. Pan-African Payments, and we've got Icorka. So we've got three really strong brands with uh, card payment solutions that really look at your entrepreneur informal market, your traditional SMEs, up to kind of tier one, tier two retailers. So we're in a very fortunate position to be able to offer solutions to basically the whole South African retail Mm -hmm. market. So when we look at it, Acquisitions, we look at two things. One, is it going to, is it going to assist us in differentiate differentiating our product mm-hmm. and our product offering? And the second one, is it going to give us additional scale or access to customer base that we don't currently um, provide services to? So those are the two kind of... Uh, the, two of the criteria that we look at. Of course, there's many other facets to it around, mm-hmm. you know, the technology, the people, in particular the leadership team that's at those businesses. But uh, in terms of a strategic fit, it's got to either differentiate or increase our market share. So, so that's that's kind of the primary um, criteria. And then we're fortunate. There's a lot of startups in South Africa. Um, there's some great technology there's some mm-hmm. great products going out there, and we're in the process of finalizing a a, a majority stake in a in one of such startup um, a, a small team they they mm-hmm. even pre-revenue but wow. we believe that they're going to give us a real differentiated product offering uh, into the market in particular for those I'm going to say the slightly tier three tier two tier one merchants. Mm-hmm. And then the next, uh, the next acquisition, and you know, everything happens at once. So we're in the midst of many things, but the the next one does uh, increase our our market share or give us access to to potential customers that we can, you know, we can provide additional services to that customer base. So, so access to the market is something that we're quite excited about. So we don't just look at the value of the company as a standalone, mm-hmm. but we can see what value can we bring in terms of uh, the DuMo businesses.
0: Paul. This is all so exciting. I'm I'm just so eager to see what's in store for Dumo. Thanks so much for being on this podcast. I really loved getting to chat with you. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you and find
1: you? So I think through LinkedIn is probably the best place to to connect. Um, I'm not a massive um, follower or a provide on other other social media channels so i think this at this stage through linkedin um our website for dumo and our facebook platforms are still in progress so linkedin for now
0: awesome thanks so much paul
1: thank you very much it's been a pleasure
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.